0: Welcome to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast, episode 191. Aaron Brightman coming to you on, oh boy, uh, October 17th. is a Tuesday. Uh, it's been a whirlwind uh, with my just, you know, professional life, but also just Rutgers football and also ramping up for Rutgers basketball, uh, fall sports. Uh, there's a lot going on. Um, and we're kind of just throwing this one together, but I wanted to kind of talk about, how Rutgers can finish the season strong. Obviously they need to win at Indiana on Saturday, but I think that starts, you know, we've talked about culture. We've talked about the toughness of this team. I think now in these next five games is where the depth is going to show or potentially not show. That's where it needs to appear. Uh, This is the eighth game in a row for Rutgers. Uh, In eight straight weeks, a lot of Big Ten teams have had their bye already. Uh, This will be the third straight week. Wisconsin was coming off a bye. Michigan State was coming off a bye. Indiana did play last week. They got blown out by Michigan, but they were on the bye the week before. They are in the midst of some type of quarterback decision. Uh, Tom Allen being elusive, just saying that whichever quarterback starts on Saturday uh, for Indiana will be their starter the rest of the way. But Rutgers, you know, this is their eighth game in a row. And the offensive line I talked about or wrote about today on Tuesday uh, is tightening, which is a good thing. Uh, and I really think one of the things that got not lost, but just wasn't a headliner in the uh, comeback win on Saturday was the play of the offensive line down the stretch. Gavin Wimsett made plays, Kam Nungai ran like crazy. But the offensive line. I mean, I I went back and and I, I did a highlight reel on my YouTube channel for the top 15 plays in the fourth quarter comeback, and the last four are the four first downs that Manungai ran for against Michigan State, and I mean at least two of them. The offensive line. It's it, you know we talk about like gang tackling. Uh, that that was that was gang blocking. I mean the offensive line just destroyed Michigan State. There was Manungay went. I, I think it was the third. First down, it was he went like another six to seven to eight yards, like basically in a swarm of offensive linemen just barreling through the Michigan State defensive line. So, first time all year that Rutgers had played all five offensive linemen, 60 plus snaps in a game. It was also the first time that that combination had started. You have Holland Pierce, obviously the anchor at left tackle. Uh, Brian Felter got the start at left guard the link is still at center. You had um, right guard Curtis Dunlap switched uh, before the Wisconsin game. And the feel-good story of the season, Reggie Sutton starting at right tackle. And that offensive line got better as the game went on. The continuity there. So that depth, you know, the, like Felter and uh, Sutton weren't even reported about in preseason in terms of being in the mix. And here they are. Starting. You have to imagine that offensive line combination is going to start against Indiana. I think there's some real promise there. Uh Sutton is still working his way back. He doesn't have the same mobility. But um, you know, as David Anderson mentioned on the podcast yesterday, uh that, that touch block he got at the last second to allow Wimsat to make uh, to make that throw to Isaiah Washington, uh that kind of started the whole drive. I believe or I, I'm sorry, I think it was the Isaiah Washington touchdown pass. I can't remember which one david pointed out but that that was just like a finesse thing that just was like such a detail um this offensive line has a chance to really come together and and that depth you know now Shiano talks about the younger players behind them but if these five can emerge and be consistent now it's it's a real positive of course defensive line you know the rotation has tightened lately i don't know if you've noticed the last few games they're playing less can that defensive line hold up we remember two years ago at Northwestern, it was game seven. It was the seventh game in a row. Obviously, Rutgers did not have nearly the same amount of momentum or playing for the same amount of stakes that they will be on Saturday against Indiana when they go, uh, needing one more win to make a, uh, become bowl eligible. But that, Indiana, uh, that Northwestern game two years ago was hugely disappointing because essentially, physically, they didn't show up. And they got outplayed by a bad Northwestern team. And that, that's been concerning to me about this Indiana game the whole time because it is similarly eighth game in a row. Uh, how beat up is this team? You know, the injury report, they had eight guys not available. Two are due to NCA eligibility issues with Nassim Brantley and uh, Bo Masco. Uh, six were out. No, you know, other than Chris Long, who's been out significantly, and now Tyler Needham also, they've been out multiple weeks. Both were starters at wide receiver and right tackle, respectively. Um, the other guys have played kind of, you know, seldomly. So, overall, in terms of actual injury uh, status, you, you, you're you doing really well at this point in the season, knock on wood. Um, you know, I'm sure guys are, are banged up and, and playing with some stuff. So, obviously, emotionally, they're going to go into this game with a lot to play for, uh, and that's going to help. But as they get through this game, and then through the bye week. November is a brutal, brutal schedule. You have Ohio State at home, then you're at Iowa, and then you're at Penn State. Those teams are combined 18-1, and and then you have Maryland on senior day, Thanksgiving weekend at 5-2. and So that's going to be a crucial matchup as well. And I think that game is very much in the balance based on the health of each roster going into that game. How is either team going to be Uh, Going into those games uh, in terms of, you know, two years ago, we saw Maryland was depleted. Rutgers won the game last year. I think Rutgers was pretty beat up and they got blown out. So that's going to have a big part of it. But, you know, can they compete? Can they be competitive against uh, Ohio State in two weeks at home? This game is going to get a lot of national press. If they can win at Indiana, be six and two and three and two in the Big Ten hosting Ohio State first week in November. That's going to get a lot of attention. Then you go to Iowa, right? That's kind of the dream, I think, scenario for Rutgers fans is to beat Indiana and then go to Iowa and get that signature win. Iowa right now six and one. They're gonna be favored the rest of the way. Um, the worst offense in college football, 133 out of 133. Obviously, their defense is elite. Can Rutgers compete in that game? Depth is gonna be a big part of that. You know, year after year after the play, Ohio State, I always feel like they're extra beat up after that game because physically Ohio State has just overmatched Rutgers in every way year after year. Maybe this is the year that you know Rutgers has looked physically equal to Michigan and Wisconsin. You know they didn't execute at the same level. They don't have the same talent, but physically they looked the part. How will they match up against Ohio State is really, I think, a key to how the rest of November plays out. Iowa is a massive game. Then you go to Penn State, you know, who has dominated Rutgers in the trenches. Uh, in recent years and that's going to be a big test as well and again it goes back to depth so huge test coming up we know what the culture is of this team we know the toughness of this team we know that you know talent wise development wise they're getting better can the depth hold up as we do- go down the stretch of the season and that's that's a huge question mark and that will ultimately i think determine what the ceiling is for this team then you have Maryland, like I t- spoke about. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, there they are, uh, you get enough wins to go to a bowl. And then you have what is a hugely important 15 practice cycle that is essentially another spring camp, but you know right after the season, to get ready for the bowl game, which would be huge for the development of this program in the long term. So there's a lot riding on it. It's not just going to a bowl. It's not just you know having an extra game, you know changing perception, helping perception. It's getting that developmental time for your younger players. Uh, it's just huge. You know it's it's unquantifiable. You can't it's priceless. And so there's a lot riding on it. And it all you know as of right now, it comes down to Indiana. I do think honestly, if you lose Indiana, you do suffer a big momentum hit uh from what you gained against michigan state last week so you also as i mentioned yesterday you go into the bye week you're six and two you're three and two you got a two-week high a two-week high news cycle and then you're going to host you know number three or four ohio state uh who's undefeated uh it would just be it it would be a great perception changing moment for the program and I really hope they can capitalize. They won at Indiana 38-3 two years ago. They started down 14-0 last year. I don't know if you remember that. And they came back and scored 24 and answer to beat Indiana at home last year. They're 4-5 and five all time in the Big Ten against Indiana. Best record against any opponent. This could even it up and go 5-5. Five and five. So, obviously, massive game. We're going to have plenty of preview stuff throughout the week. But that was really my overarching point here is that, you know, in terms of the rest of this season and how the ceiling will ultimately determine its depth. You know, wide receivers, I have to say, I mean, between Christian Dremel has been a pleasant surprise, but credit to Isaiah Washington for making some big catches, including that touchdown catch against Michigan State. He's had some moments this year, Jaquette Jackson, uh, Ian Strong. All four guys have proven capable in different spots. So the depth of wide receiver, honestly, is better than I expected to. Because Brantley and Long haven't even really played. So that's that's a huge plus. Shout out to Dave Brock, the wide receiver coach. I mean that that's been that hasn't gotten enough attention. Uh, a couple stats real quick, uh, wanted to throw out there in terms of uh, progress that you can note. Uh, in terms of Rutgers, right now they are 14th in the country, fewest penalties at 4.29 per game. That is massive. 15th in the red zone at 0.70, 70% conversion rate. That's massive. 16th in fourth down conversion. 26th in turnover margin, uh, you know, scoring defense, uh, passing defense. I don't count kickoff returns. They're number one in the nation, but I think they've had two kickoff returns. Rashad uh, Rochelle did have the 88-yarder, but I don't know. I guess they qualify, but that's not a lot of attempts. But um, fifth in passing defense, eighth in total defense, eighth in fumbles recovered, 12th in fewest sacks allowed. Shout out to that offensive line. Uh, 12th in scoring defense. But the penalties, 14th of penalties, 26th in turnover margin, that is all about limiting mistakes and capitalizing on your opponent's mistakes. That is just massive. Uh, They're also, in every defensive category as a team, they're in the top half of the Big Ten. They're seventh or better. In conference play, Rutgers has now played four Big Ten games. they played five Power Five opponents in seven games. So these are not inflated stats. Yes, they played Wagner, but the conference-only stats, they're in the top half of every Big Ten uh ranking the D- offense they're like you know typically ninth to 11th not great not terrible a little bit better than last year work in progress but there's a lot of reasons for hope on this team and again going back can that depth hold up that will be another sign of progression for this program and we'll have plenty more to talk about the rest of the week thanks for listening and watching check out all my coverage at the scarletfaithful.com, my youtube channel uh, and wherever, obviously, you're listening to this on, on, uh, you know, Apple, Spotify or whatever, if you're watching my YouTube, thank you so much for listening once again to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast.